Hello everyone, you're listening to the Socially Desi Show, the podcast that motivates you to live, create and inspire. If this is your first time here, welcome. On our show, we discuss tips and strategies with our guest speakers on how to tackle problems related to personal growth, mental health, relationships, business and entrepreneurship and health and fitness. So hit that subscribe button and go check out our website at sociallydesi.com for more of such content. Today I'm joined by Sonika Aaron. She is the founder and managing director at Marching Sheep. Marching Sheep is a boutique HR advisory firm that is inspiring change across hiring and absorbing trends. Marching Sheep also focuses on talent development interventions and effective diversity and inclusion programs. It is one of the few agencies in India to drive LGBTQ inclusions and privacy frameworks for different companies across India and the globe. So uh, with that, welcome uh, Sonika, welcome to the Socially Desi Show. Thank you so much Anurag for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. No, excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, before we even begin the episode, I would love to know about your professional journey so far, not just with Marching Sheep, but, you know, across uh, your career. Oh, uh, that's going to be uh, a long one, but I'll try to... <laughs> <laughs> we have all the time. So, no need to worry about that. <laughs> so, um, uh, I have been an HR professional now for almost uh, two decades. Uh, I, uh, I'm an XLR. I pass out post-graduated in HR. I started my career with uh, Pepsi. I have worked with companies like uh, Roche Diagnostics. I joined uh, Hutch, which used to be, uh, which then got acquired by Vodafone. Uh, then yep. I joined ICI Paints, which got acquired by Axo Nobel. So I have a lot of experience of uh, working on uh, process transitions and integrations. And then I joined uh, Philips, where I was heading HR for Philips Consumer Lifestyle Business. This was in okay. 2012. And then I took a sabbatical for a year. Um, that was when I was expecting our second child. And then I started marching sheep in the year 2013. Okay. And um, I am possibly the first person in my family uh, who took the punt on being uh, in business management. So oh, okay. um, um, I come from a family of doctors. Uh, mm -hmm. My father was a plastic surgeon. My mother is a gynecologist. My brother is a urologist married to a pathologist. My sister is a homemaker <laughs> okay. married to a urologist. So when I said okay. I want to do MBA and they were like, what is mm -hmm. MBA? Uh, <laughs> <then> <laughs> you forgot the later. BB. <laughs> you, you forgot the B and S around that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then later, when I said that, you know, I, I'm marrying this person who is working in an FMCG. My brother, mm -hmm. who's a urologist, he said, "What is FMCG?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so those are the conversations we've had. And then nobody mm -hmm. in my uh, family uh, or my husband's family, for that matter has been uh, an entrepreneur or a business owner. So okay. for them, when I said that I'm going to start on my own, it was like, but we work. Well, you know, we've, yeah. uh, we've, we've always been in a safe environment where we get a salary every month. So, uh, so yeah, so that's been my journey so far. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an that's an interesting journey, and uh, I I can totally relate with that because you know I also come from uh, a forgy background. Uh, you know, most of my family members are in services or they are you know working somewhere. So all professional working class uh, family, and then you know you do something out of the ordinary, and you be like, no, I want to start something, and that too uh, in the content space, doing something mm. uh, with podcasts as my full time. Uh, work so that also creates those kind of you know initial frictions but i'm sure uh, uh, since 2013 uh, your family must have warmed up and like okay now we understand what she does and uh, that's how things roll out but why the name marching sheep very interesting name i would love to know uh, the reason behind that it was uh, very interesting actually you know when i uh, started uh, working on the blueprint of what would i really do um, so there are there are so many, uh, uh, you know, people who are uh, working in the space of consulting. Yep. And um, there were a couple of things which had stayed with me during my corporate uh, career. Hmm. Uh, one was um, how organizations were dealing with the entire diversity uh, issue. 
um, for want of a better word. Hmm. Uh, from uh, a space of does it even exist or does it even warrant a conversation to looking at it like a number game. Uh, let's just hmm. hire uh, it being a recruitment uh, issue uh, to it being a good to think fluff HR thing. Uh, you know, once a year on International Women's Day, we'll get some speakers and do something and that's about it. Uh, so that was one thing that, uh, and having been a woman professional, I had seen different nuances, not directly, indirectly, sometimes directly with myself, with other women. So that was one thing that I was extremely passionate about that I wanted to be in my portfolio. The second okay. thing was that, um, you know, having been on the other side, uh, Anurag, uh, as an, uh, as a receiver of services, yep. Hmm. Uh, one always question that when you receive a service, what is the end outcome? You want to see a tangible difference. You want to see a difference in uh, behaviors. You want to see a difference in performance. I'm not saying that give me an ROI of every intervention, yeah. a tangible, but you, you need to see some impact. And uh, I have always felt that if you give a holistic well thought through intervention. If you, hmm. you don't pack in too many things into an intervention, but you think through what is it that you want to drive? Even if you want to drive yep. change on one or two parameters and drive it well, you can hmm. make things much. True. Yeah. Right. So I made hmm. a statement saying that with the right systems and processes hmm. in your interventions, you can make things much. And those hmm. interventions can be anything. It can be from, from policy revamping to making your vision statement to making, uh, to socializing that vision and values to having a competency framework to doing sessions. But you yep. need to have a holistic 360 degree approach with an intention to making an impact. And that is where the name Marching Sheep stuck. Saying that okay. with the right approach, you can make sheep march. Mm, so mm, that is true. where Marching Sheep came. And when I started, uh, uh, you know, talking about Marching Sheep, what I also realized that is it has great recall value. You know, <laughs> once you talk about Marching Sheep, nobody mm. really forgets it. Yep, uh, yep. Uh, so, uh, and it, it just kind of grew from there. Okay. Okay. No, interesting. Interesting. I really like the name. That's why I want I wanted to understand the the reason yeah. behind it, the thought process behind it. Uh, so uh, well done with the name. I'm I'm sure that it's a, it's a name that people can recollect from uh, back of their mind. Not much of uh, effort required there, but really interesting uh, to understand that with the right kind of strategies, the right kind of frameworks in place, you can actually make sheep's march. And yeah. uh, that is what, you know, in fact, in today's episode, guys, to whosoever is tuning in right now, uh, we want to discuss and have a deep conversation with Sonika around the uh, the importance of diversity and inclusion uh, to build a healthy company culture, a healthy work environment for not just the employees, but also the employers and the customers and whosoever is involved throughout. Because it is not just the employees and the employers who are part of that ecosystem. It's the family members, it's the friends, everyone who is uh, even uh, at the tertiary level involved uh, with you gets impacted here. And uh, that is where I wanted to ask you the first question uh, of this uh, conversation is that we are living in 2022. We are living in uh, uh, an era which is talking about metaverse, right? We are talking mm. about a place which is going to be totally remote, maybe 100% virtual in the next 10 years. How are companies uh, making business critical decisions here? when it comes to recruitment practices, when it comes to employee resource groups, how are they embracing this change? And how does this whole diversity and inclusion piece fits into the puzzle? <coughs> Sorry. So, um, very interesting question. So, so let me break this down. Okay. Yep. So, a lot has changed in the last two years. Okay. So let us first understand that it is not just technology which has changed, metaverse which has changed or which has come in. The workforce has changed. 
Okay, let's first understand that people who work for you have changed. Their outlook towards work has changed. And until and unless we truly understand and embrace that, we will not be able to move forward. So look at what has happened. March 19, uh, sorry, 20, suddenly the lockdown got announced and people who were used to going to work, who were used to putting in long hours for whom it was all about putting in everything into their jobs, overnight transitioned into work from home. What they assumed to be a 21-day lockdown, 21-day remote working, stretched into like a two-year remote work. And, And many of them got used to it. They found hmm. their balance in it. Many of them yes. went back to their hometowns. They, they found their balance in saying that, okay, now I can take care of my parents. I'm staying in my city. I can take better care of my child's education. I can take better care of my household responsibilities and also be productive. Right? So right. that was one. Then something happened in the second wave. Now, before I go to the second wave, mm-hmm. There were a lot of knee-jerk reactions which happened from the organizations in the first wave. We saw a lot of uh, layoffs and not just from mid-sized or MSMEs or SMEs or startups, but also from very established organizations, MNCs, where we had calls uh, where people were uh, laid off, uh, you know, uh, overnight and uh, all, all sorts of things were happening. Um, there were furloughs, there were uh, freezing of incentives, there were delayed salaries, there was lack of communication, there was lack of transparency, there was restructuring, there were, there were lots of things, which there was huge amount of uncertainty and ambiguity yes. that employees went through at that time. There was mass paranoia, if I may say so. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So that is what employees went through at that time, which led to a lot of burnout where people were scared that tomorrow I might not have a job. And hence they were putting in huge amount of time just to prove that they are productive. They are there. They were working long hours, everything, afraid to take leaves and everything. Then the same companies realize that, you know, when the wave ebbs, they need these employees back for business continuity and business recovery. So when the second wave came, organizations were far more empathetic. So came in all the COVID support policies, the bereavement policies, Mm. saying that we will send you food, we will give you quarantine uh, um, uh, facilities and so on and so forth. So there was a lot of support in the second stage. But the second wave was far more lethal. It reached our homes. A lot of people lost their loved ones in direct families or extended families. There was fear that if I fall sick, will I get oxygen? Will I get an ICU bed? Our country's infrastructure was falling apart. You were getting medicines in the black market at exorbitant prices. I mean, it was mayhem. It yep. was terrible. I mean, we were so scared. If you were, if you were living in a condominium, I mean, you were scared that if somebody in the same line was sick, you could all fall sick because of mm. the same piping or the fumes or whatever. And there were all kinds of news floating around. Yep. So again, there was paranoia. And in all of this, people started evaluating their relationship to work and to the organizations. And they said that what is really important? I will work too hard, but will my organization really stand by me in times of need? I might die tomorrow. Mm. Would I have lived my life completely? Would I have spent time with my loved ones? Would I have spent time on something that I'm really passionate about? Am I here on this planet Earth just to make money or to make money for somebody else? 
Yep. And a lot of people, and I'm just not talking about here, uh, the younger generation, as we like to stereotype, you know, Generation Z yeah. or millennials, but mm. I'm also talking here about people who are in, you know, middle management or senior management who started True. asking these questions. And that is where we started seeing an exodus that we call the great resignation, where they started questioning that I will give my all to an organization, but will the organization truly stand by me when I am in time of need? If I am no longer there, will my organization support my family? And to what extent? Right. Right? Now, this change has happened. Now, see what's happened in, uh, in 2022. There are three kinds of organizations, broadly categorizing. There are some organizations who have completely embraced the remote working and they're saying it doesn't matter. If we yes. have successfully worked productively, we trust our employees, we will put in processes and structures and ways of working uh, that will empower them, enable them to work. We will decentralize our decision-making and we will continue to work remotely because we have tasted success and it's yep. fine, right? Hmm. Then there yep. are organizations where the nature of work demands hybrid working model. Mm-hmm. Right? So yep. people yep. need to go in for sales meetings. People need to be in office for those, uh, uh, you know, calls or uh, or meetings yep. or uh, manufacturing. In fact, for manufacturing industries, they need to be there in the plants, right? They, they can't need to just be there or essential services. So yep. hybrid working model. And then there are organizations who say that no, It is so much easier to just turn around, have a conversation. I want people to be in office. So without naming an organization where I recently uh, concluded an assignment, I was interviewing all their senior leaders and I asked them that how many of your roles uh, can actually be uh, work from home? All leaders except for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, said that, no, we want all our roles in office. And only okay. one leader said that actually, you know, 50% of my roles can be work from home. Maybe not this year because we've just started this business, but maybe from the mm-hmm. next year, once everything settles down, they can 50% can be work from home. Okay. And I just spoke to HR and I said that, why? And I remember a panel discussion I'd had And there, um, uh, you know, the HR head of a very leading company said that, you know, 90% people come to work with a mindset of doing a good hard day's job. Yep. Right? Maybe 10% of the people will play the system. Hmm. 10% of the people will shirk. 10% of the people might take advantage. You want to police the rest 90% for those 10%. Yeah, true. Yeah. So now coming back to your question that how are organizations taking this? I think Mm. organizations really need to embrace that how the workforce has changed because if we force people. Now, again, we need to understand that workforce today also is of different kinds. There will be people who will say that, listen, I have found my balance. I do not wish to come to office. Why should I waste two hours traveling to office Mm. in the morning, two hours in the evening where I can spend that time being productive? Maybe I can make a presentation. Maybe I can make 10 sales calls. Maybe I can do something else in that time instead of driving to office and driving four hours on the road in today's traffic is absolutely a waste of time. Or I can spend that time working out or I can spend that time teaching my kid. Right. Or there can be some people who who say that I miss that social connect. I Hmm. want to go to office because I, I miss that social connect, but maybe I don't want to go all five days. Maybe I want to go two days in a week or three days in a week. Hmm. Yep. So I think organizations need to start having authentic conversations with their people. And before rushing into a policy or a forced comeback, I yep. think they need to understand this diversity. 
True. Of people, the life stage they are in, the thought process they are in, because they have contributed and they will yep. continue to contribute. If they have contributed in your business continuity in the last two years of the most difficult time that the industry has been in. Yep. Then yep. they will continue to contribute in 2022 as well. True. So true. Let, let's not be in a hurry. I understand hmm. that 2022 will be a very critical year because everybody will have ambitious targets. Yep. But let's not force people to make a choice that... Um, can I speak in Hindi as well? Yeah, yeah for sure. Go ahead. That force office So let's work hmm. somewhere else where I can be my authentic self. Uh, where I can still work from home, get the same amount of money, get the same amount of freedom and empowerment. So let me, yep. because today it's an employee's market. Hmm. Hmm. So let's be mindful of that. True. And I think uh, even before having these conversations with your employees, you need to have a conversation amongst yourselves as uh, the the board members or uh, the senior executives. Like you said, you know, if you have different uh, mindsets, if you have different views uh, within your senior management, then uh, usually these kind of policies, they don't really come out the way they should, right? And it, it becomes a challenge for not just the HR, but also the consulting firm who is coming in and uh, advising them on different policies. It becomes difficult for you guys as well to ensure that they are on the right path because you have to maintain that balance between the uh, employee and the employer. And you rightly said that this is an employee market and uh, there are so many different uh, uh, factors which are uh, in place. You know, some of them want to come back to office. Some of them don't want to come back to office. In that scenario, I feel that when it comes to your role-based model, I think that um, makes more of a difference uh, and, and much better approach wherein you can understand which roles actually require people to be in office and which roles can easily be uh, remote or can be outsourced to a different organization. So uh, with that thought in mind, I wanted to ask you, uh, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, uh, what are we talking about in 2022? Uh, are we talking about underrepresentation? Are we talking about isolation? What exactly uh, do we talk about under diversity and inclusion? Uh, when it comes to making sure you have a good balance uh, of of uh, different representations, what is that? Uh, you know, am I am I able to frame that question? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I wanted to understand your thoughts on that. So Anurag, different organizations in India are at different stages of their inclusion journey. So a lot of organizations even today are talking about underrepresentation of women. In right. their workforce, right? So we have 48.5% women uh, in the country. But how many, uh, if you talk about uh, uh, some sectors, so you would have uh, women, uh, but mostly at the junior level or the mid-level le yep. uh, level. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> how many uh, companies have women uh, representation at the leadership level? And I'm not talking about a woman HR head, but I'm talking about women leading IT or women leading sales or women leading uh, operations, right? Which are typically male dominated roles. So uh, a lot of organizations are still working on that journey. But having said mm. that, if I look at the kind of assignments which have been coming our way since January this year, there is a lot of impetus on inclusion of the LGBTQ community and mm. the uh, persons with disability. And okay. when it comes to persons with disability, there is also a realization that uh, now with uh, remote working becoming, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, a very accepted uh, uh, yep. uh, way of working, a lot of people uh, uh, who are people with disability can be given roles where they can be experts. So, for example, mm. uh, a, a person on an autism spectrum uh, syndrome can be mm. a great graphic designer or can be a great uh, uh, communicator, 
or can be yep. a great uh, uh, can be great in sourcing CVs. And if you can, uh, you know, have these roles which are completely work from home, and you mm-hmm. can work with organizations. And there are specific organizations. There is CareerNet. There is Vividta. There is there are so many organizations which help you hire these capable. There is a typical advantage run by Vineet mm-hmm. Sa- uh, Sarayawala, who himself uh, is uh, you know uh, visually impaired. There are people who can help you hire these people fully qualified to do a job and you can create uh, these the uh, you know and you don't even have to create new roles but roles which are yep, existing yep. in your organizations they can work from their uh, homes and uh, do a fully productive job True. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, so that is there, and uh, there is a, there are a lot of organizations who are working on inclusion of LGBTQ community. We have ourselves worked with uh, companies where uh, there has been sensitization on language. There has yep. been sensitization for hiring managers. There has mm. been sensitization of uh, managers on how do we uh, induct them and make them feel welcomed and make them feel mm. uh, a part of the team. So even before they hire, they understand that they need to make make the culture, whether they are working remotely or they are working in, uh, um, you know, in office. In yeah. both cases, how do we create? So now there is an understanding that the demographic of the country if you keep that as a benchmark and what is the population percentage of a certain section of people, how much mm. of that section of people represented in your company? And yep. if you are not represented, if they are not represented, those are, those are the underrepresented people. Okay. Right? So then mm. you start working towards and say that, okay, this year now we, we, we've done, made some progress with women participation in the workforce. Can we start mm-hmm. working towards inclusion of people with disabilities? Can we start working towards people uh, from the LGBTQ community? And what I tell them is that, listen, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Every every journey starts with lack of awareness. Mm-hmm. At least move towards awareness. And then take the first step. Make your managers aware, make your policies right, make your structures right, make your processes right, sensitize your people. Hire yep. of, in fact, recently we had this news where Tata Steel has hired two batches, one in, I think, their Jamshedpur factory and one in another factory. They have hired mm-hmm. two batches of transgenders in, in their factories. So okay. they are also starting in small batches. So every step is 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 a positive step and yep. with every step we learn but it is important to make when when we hire them make them also a part of our journey so that they can tell us that how can we become better so True. make an erg which is an employee resource group and mm-hmm. they tell us okay these are some of the policies that this company does not have this can empower and enable us much more it can make us our lives in this company more welcoming. We will feel yep. more valued, right? So having ERGs is very important and companies are open to it. They are working towards it. So we yep. are right yep. now working with clients that are really having these open conversations. Mm-hmm. True, true. Interesting, interesting. And this was uh, Tata Steel's West Bokaro division. Uh, they hired uh, and onboarded around 14 uh, transgender people. Uh, as um, uh, they they, uh, made them as part of their core mining operations. So they were uh, doing these heavy earth moving machinery operations on the mines. So really interesting and uh, a good concept. And you can do all these inclusions. But this question, you know, this this thing again uh, pops up a question in my mind when it comes to at what stage... Uh, does a company really start to have these kind of conversations? Because a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and startup founders also listen to our podcast. And I'm sure uh, they must be having this question as well. That I'm a, I'm a startup, right? Let's say I'm a startup. I have a team of 10 to 50 people right now. When is the time when I should focus on this, uh, you know, when it comes to inclusion and diversity? Is there a stage uh, uh, when you consult uh, companies 
is there a, a roadmap that you uh, lay for them that you know this is when you should have these kind of conversations or when is the right time to have these kind of conversations because there's always those uh, you know thoughts wherein people want to hire what's right for the company in their mind as of now because right now let's say they are building they're an early stage startup and then you talk about companies like tata group you know they they will have a very different thought process when it comes to diversity and inclusions and a company which is just starting off with 10 to 15 employees will have a very different pers- uh, perception uh, around that so is there mm. a roadmap that you generally recommend or a stage wherein you say that yes this is the right time to uh, have these conversations so see there are two things when it comes to startups okay mm. the first question that a startup needs to ask themselves is that what kind of a culture that you want to build in your company think 5 years from now hmm okay think from think from from a founder perspective theek hai mm. while you will be dealing with here and now problems yeah what is my product where is my next client coming from or customer coming from mal nikla ki nahi delivery yep. hui ki nahi yeah you are dealing with these here and now but your journey is not just here and now your journey is where where will i be 5 years from now and for that a startup needs to or a founder needs to have a vision of what kind of a culture am i going to build in this company hmm correct and correct. that is what used to keep me going even when i did not have a single client hmm right i said that if there were two things which were important to marching sheep is to make a difference to people's lives and careers and res- drive respect and equality for all and these have to be embedded in everything we do right every intervention right mm-hmm. and that has to be embedded even in the team culture so the kind of people we hire the kind of people uh, interventions we do our interactions with our clients this cuts across everything now for a founder it is very important to understand this ki mera ultimate purpose or vision kya hai yeah right now yeah. when that gets established how does it matter ki if i have a job in a job these are the five things which need to be done yeah now whether i am hiring a woman whether i am hiring a person of the lgbtq community or whether i am hiring a pwd as long as matter. the person can hmm. do the job how does it matter true i just need an open mind if yeah. i can build that culture from day one if i want to build that culture hmm hmm then i that don't need that is the key question here right if, if you want to build that if culture if we want to build that culture yeah. so yeah. then i don't need any consultant then i don't need anybody all i need to do is that have a set of policies and procedures from day one which hmm. are neutral in tone which are right. employee friendly which are hmm. inclusive which do not use he which do yeah. not use she which use they which which are gender neutral in their terminology which are welcoming which which encourage people to open up that's hmm. all true true and today no, every startup requires yeah. a policy manual to get their first investment right yeah uh, it's a uh, all all investors uh, look for documentation and uh, you know a set of policies and everything so you need to think about these things it's important and today uh, if you ask people what kind of a company you want to work for you want to work for they want to work for a company where they feel valued for their contribution for their authentic self yep i don't want to change myself if i have to go and work for a company i spend mm-hmm. 8 to 10 hours working there i don't want to be um, somebody else for those 8 to 10 hours mm. life is True. too short to uh, you know be an imposter or whatever a farce yep yep true absolutely and this this all boils down to what kind of uh, you know the culture that you spoke about how is it being trickled down 
the line uh it's mm. not just the uh, the founders or the senior executives but also the the entire team because at the end of the day uh, the biasness starts at that level and then it reaches to your higher management so i'm yeah. sure uh, uh, these kind of conversations you would have had with a lot of organizations what do you generally recommend to organizations when it comes to these kind of bias uh within mm. the team how do how can they uh solve it uh if if you know you can share a few anecdotes sure so uh two things here firstly uh see an employee uh unless it's a it's a small uh setup let's say a, a founder or a co-founder can have one or one interactions with every employee till it's a small setup let's say up to 30 50 even up to 75 people hmm. but the moment you start growing beyond and you create a second layer and a third layer that one to one connect becomes difficult and founders and co-founders are also they have so much to do they have to strategize they have to look for investors they have to think of new products and services they have business development to do they have so many decisions to make so it is not possible that you know uh, founders and co-founders will constantly be in touch with every individual employee and solve their problems and listen to them and have authentic conversations so naturally yep. it is the second and the third layer which needs to carry on that message yes now uh, we need to understand therefore that an employee does not experience an organization through the top management mm-hmm. or through hr or through an hr manual they experience the organization through their day to day interactions with mm. their manager and their peers right 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 so developing that managerial capability at the mm. middle level the junior the first time managers the second level managers the third level managers on how to build an inclusive culture in the team is mm. extremely critical True. sometimes we believe that building an inclusive culture is the responsibility of hr policies honi chahiye inclusive yeah. policies honi chahiye tab tab inclusion hoga top management inclusive hona chahiye tab inclusion hoga but it is the small actions of a manager which make an employee feel included in yeah. a team meeting is sonika given an opportunity to speak I might be the only woman in the team, and team meeting hui. Usme Sonika ko opportunity nahi mili bolne ki. But my manager Anurag makes sure that in every meeting I am given an opportunity to speak, and my inputs are taken on board. Hmm. Every small action makes a difference. Every Friday evening, the team goes out. for a uh, uh, a drink after uh, work gets over my team ensures that i am invited yeah and i am not left out of conversations true every lunch table they are not just talking politics football etc etc i am an integral part of conversations hmm. Hmm. i don't sit alone and find are there any other women with whom i can have lunch i have lunch with my team yep my manager has had a career conversation with me to understand what are my career aspirations he has hmm. not bucketized me as a working woman saying ki are iske to bacche hain isko to growth aspiration nahi hai but hmm. he has asked me that sonika how do you want to learn and grow yep so it is up to the manager to create that environment when hmm. i joined hmm. the team my manager called me uh, uh, the whole team meeting and introduced me and my accomplishments and i achieve and my achievements and set me up for success in the yep. team yep right so it is small actions of managers and team members that make a difference true it's more about right? providing those opportunities giving them the stage 
to prove themselves and later on you know it's the individuals uh, you know uh, capabilities or competencies whether they grow or not but at least as an organization you should be able to provide them a stage give them ample opportunities open doors for them so that they can uh, enter and make themselves more useful and have better uh, career opportunities within the organization and and this Absolutely. is what like you know in the uh, in the start of the conversation we had this that that people uh, they feel like that you know i am not being appreciated here let's work somewhere else and that's what we discussed Absolutely. a few minutes back and that is what is happening like a lot of organizations they are losing a lot of their talented employees just because of the fact that they are not being able to provide them opportunities and give them stage where they can actually perform and showcase their worth i think that is one of the uh, one of the key uh, highlights that even i have seen in the last couple of years uh, what what do you see in this scenario uh, when it comes to uh, not just diversity and inclusion but opportunities as well what is your take on this and while working with your uh, uh, clients what sort of uh, changes uh, I, i would like to focus on the drastic changes that happened uh, from an organization from going from point a to point b if you can give some uh, examples there it will really help our audience today uh so uh, see when it comes to uh, people leaving i i seriously believe that people don't leave organizations people leave managers mm right and uh, when an organization grows and grows really fast mm. right uh, uh, people grow from uh, and and you know it, it's a it, it happens with a lot of companies which are scaling up really fast they are yeah. focusing so much on on numbers that they forget to scale up on capabilities right yes. and what they don't realize is that until and unless they create that environment where they are getting new people they um, socialize them and give them a sense of belonging show them that they you know we i used to watch this show called soups hmm and yeah. they used to call their firm home right and i think um, somewhere we need to uh, draw that parallel and say that you've come home yep this is where you will learn you will grow you will find your career aspiration and your manager and that is why i keep coming back to managerial capability if a manager uh, you know with his team of 8 10 15 people focuses on those 15 people mm-hmm. and works with them on giving them that space where he says that listen i am going to work with you we are going to be the best team yes yep. we are going to perform but i am personally invested in helping you achieve what you want to achieve hmm. right so if you want to you know develop like this or grow like this or have this kind of a work life balance then let's have an authentic uh, conversation empathize so be curious be empathetic be transparent and create a team environment where everybody collaborates with each other so that we achieve our team targets at the same time everybody feels that they can bring their authentic selves to work so True. here i am not talking about dni but i am talking about every person being a unique person yep right so hmm. uh, every person brings in different thought processes different ways of working different skill sets different work experience different aspirations different issues at home yep when yep. i come to office i don't leave my issues back home they are niggling at the back of my mind i have a sick parent or my wife is pregnant or my child is going through issues because haryana government has suddenly said that there will be boards uh, so uh, you know it could be anything yeah 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 true so if as a manager i can understand that and say mm. that okay let's let's have an authentic conversation and then let's get back to work true true 
it can't be just a transactional uh, relationship anymore it has to go beyond that it has to be about understanding what the employee is going through and giving them an opportunity to solve those issues like i remember one of these uh, conversations that uh, i had when i was working in the corporate uh, back in the days that uh there was a time when uh, a couple of our uh, team members were having some issues at home and at that time you know there was no remote work as such everybody was coming to office and uh, so at that time our manager was really understanding and then he said you know hey it's not just about your issues because you're part of the team and it impacts every one of us so uh, get that sorted if you need a couple of days off work from home otherwise you know and then we as a team we pitched in uh, on that meeting we said hey you know you work from home that's okay uh, we have some couple of hours uh, extra during our day we can uh, work on your project we can help you for that those couple of hours and of course we'll build the company extra for that but that's okay but at least at the end of the day uh, you are working as a team uh, not just the manager but also your peers are working towards that and this the when you when you spoke about this that conversation came to my mind because that was one of those uh interesting and 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 really good conversations that you can have as a team that uh you come together and you help somebody yeah and if i may add uh, anurag we done this uh, pulse survey in the middle of uh, last year and uh, two things which came out uh, as evolving employee expectations uh, from mm. uh, the workforce one was empathy from managers okay it came out as one of a big crying need uh, from the workforce empathy from managers and the second one was flexibility and when we say flexibility it was flexibility in terms of saying that allow us to choose without having to compromise on our work deliver- deliverables so choose to work from where choose to work time uh, work, uh, of work timings uh, yep. maybe choice of saying that what kind of comp structure i want so while my mm-hmm. ctc remains the same but you know maybe i need more retirees for somebody who is you know uh, uh, does not want that much cash in hand but somebody who yep. wants yep. more cash in hands some other you know mm-hmm. uh, comp structure so that was what uh, you know how people are thinking today Mm-hmm. and the other thing is that you know um, i can i can say this that when i started work the way we were groomed as managers there was something known as bulletproof manager we were we were taught achievement orientation we were taught how mm-hmm. to monitor we were taught how to give feedback uh we were taught um, you know we can't be vulnerable we it was mm-hmm. almost like no chink in the armor but yeah, now yeah. people want authenticity people want that you know if i am feeling vulnerable full disclosure if i am feeling stressed full disclosure so my team did 360 degree feedback with me the other day and they said that sonika you had covid you came back to work in 4 days and mm. we know we saw you going through so much of stress and everything but you did not share your stress or extra burden with the team and mm-hmm. uh, but when somebody else in the team felt sick you gave her two weeks off and this and that but we can see that you know it impacts the other team members because that stress comes out in other ways yeah yeah right so- so hmm. they they want full disclosure they say that we are completely fine aap do hafte ki chutti leke puri tarah se theek ho jao no problem aap apna sara kaam hum pe dump kar do no problem and i fully get that so they want that authenticity they say ke we don't want you to be a superhero yep true absolutely absolutely and that is what i think now the conversations have started to change now people understand mm. that what is going on in fact like you said you know that bulletproof manager uh, doesn't really work out uh, in in today's environment because at the end of the day i was i was going through this really interesting poll on uh, linkedin the other day uh, i find sometimes i find them really hilarious but this poll actually mm. spoke about whom do you want whom would you prefer to work under a competitive but rude boss or an incompetent mm. but like uh, you know uh, liking kind of a boss that was really interesting question i was like there's no right answer to this <laughs> because 
<laughs> you can't have like black and white answers in these kind of conversation yeah. but i'm sure uh, uh, our audience today would have gained uh, great insights from you and a lot of entrepreneurs listening to us a lot of uh, working professionals mm-hmm. listening to us uh, would have gained great insights uh, from you sonika thank you so much for doing this with the socially desi show before we wrap up today's episode any closing thoughts on how uh, we as a society not just corporates let's not talk corporates now let's talk as a society how can we uh, ensure that we are providing ample opportunities we are providing uh, different groups different communities to come together work and and be appreciated be included in our day to day lives closing thoughts on that so i think uh, all of us uh, in our different roles uh have an opportunity to help someone or the other uh we might not be very big people so for example i don't have any political connects or i don't have any godfather in the industry or anything but i realized that uh, during covid uh, a lot of people reached out to me asking me for help uh, to help them get a job because they realized being an hr consultant i might have a lot of connects with hr directors and i did yep. and wherever i could connect people i did uh now i am connected with about uh, 21 people with disabilities because we had done this campaign called 21 marching and wherever okay. i can help them uh, get an opportunity with their work i am doing that hmm. uh so i think in whatever capacity uh, you know we can use maybe our connections our network our knowledge uh, our competence to help others i think we can make those small changes in or or those small differences in our own small network and every change that we make makes that small ripple you know yes, does, and that yeah. small ripple you know will touch somebody and that it will just make make maybe another ripple and then another ripple so i i don't claim to make a huge difference but every small thing that we do i think will make a difference and that is what we um, i would say that everyone of us has power to make a difference we just need to make a choice to do it so let's exercise True. that choice True, absolutely golden nuggets there, uh, Sonika. Thank you so much. And guys, uh, we'll put the links for Marching Sheep and Sonika's LinkedIn profile in the show notes below. If you want to reach out to her, feel free to reach out uh, to Mar- Marching Sheep if you have any questions around it, or uh, if you or your organization wants to uh, get in touch with them for their services, feel free to reach out to them as well. Uh, with that, Sonika, thank you so much uh, for being on the show, and I would love to have you again on the show soon to talk more about how uh, we can address. a lot of uh, human resource issues and challenges in our country and how we can uh, make work life uh, better for everybody so thank you so much thank you thank you for having me so that wraps it up for today folks if you like the episode give it a big thumbs up share it with your friends and let's go viral remember our weekly podcast features episodes on personal growth mental health relationships business and entrepreneurship and health and fitness We would love to have Sonika on the show again in the future to talk more about how we can make our workplace a better place to work in. So, if you haven't yet done so, hit that subscribe button and go check out our website at sociallydesi.com. And as always, before I sign off, remember, life is black and white and everything in between.